good afternoon, everyone. <laughs> we are truly in this together. To get, to get, to get, to get together. <laughs> and the only way we will get through this is by all of us working together. Each of of you doing your part you, you must stay at home all right back again with another episode of the you must stay at home period podcast with the lovely karen with the rm Yo. And my main man from a brother from another mother, Hamilton. How are you this evening? Yep, yep, I'm here. All right, so you know we have quite a few things that we wanted to tackle tonight. Um, you know, namely, you know, a, a few different things. We can start with kind of like the more relaxed. Uh, funny stuff first uh, with your, you know, our favorite, uh, well, it might be Karen's favorite president, 45. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Never been so insulted in my life. And his um, paltry turnout uh, at his uh, <laughs> at his rally that he thought he was going to get you know, a couple hundred thousand people, I'm sure, and only netted out 6,200. Um, I'm hoping that, Karen, that you were not there dancing amongst our people at the rally. I was in the black section. Y'all saw y'all saw me, right? They're not my people. That color section was full of colored coons who were not <laughs> my people. <laughs> they were. There were more than more than I expected out there. Blacks for Trump, I guess. I oh, I was like, okay. I no, this one, this one wasn't. The sh- ones they showed weren't the typical Blacks for Trump people. This right. was Black voices for Trump. Okay. Something of that. They actually looked like real people. I was like, wow, there is. there was like 10, 15, maybe 20, 20 people there, which is dumb as hell. They're all gonna get COVID. Yeah, I mean, they, they we didn't die impose. Higher, we, we die at a higher rate. And you know, that that, that stadium only seats 19,000 people. Yes. I mean, if they would have imposed any kind of social distancing. Well, you, well oh, wait, 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 slow, slow down for a minute. Yeah, so, I'm slow down, go ahead. Sir. Okay, right. so, so I just want to back up because this was delicious. I don't know if you all watched it unfold in real time on social media like I did, but I had forgotten about the rally and just happened to pick up Twitter. <laughs> so, did every, so did everybody else, but go ahead. Right, because I assumed, <laughs> okay, you know, they had been hyping it up. Uh, you know, they got 800,000 ticket requests. We got a million ticket requests. So I'm expecting, oh, okay, they're gonna have a, you know, decent turnout for this rally. A whole bunch of idiots are gonna go outside in the pandemic and sit in an enclosed stadium and yell and scream and mix breath at the top of their lungs with one another during a pandemic. So I just, you know, assumed it was going to proceed. So I happened to pick up Twitter 
and saw that first uh, clip or that first aerial shot of uh, the overflow. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and a reporter saying that they are proceeding to, they canceled the, um, the planned remarks that Trump and Pence were going to make to the overflow crowd because there was like 10 people outside, literally. And I uh, was like, oh, you know, so that was that first hint of something has gone awry. And then I read about they, uh, Trump had directed Air Force One to, to fly in low past the stadium so he could see his adoring crowd and nobody was there. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, you know, the Secret Service had the 10 people who were outside in the overflow. Um, uh, they had them disperse and told them to go on inside, I guess, because they were like, we're about to take this overflow stage down because nobody's here, so we don't need it. So before it even started, they had started to dismantle the overflow stage. So it was just del delightful, it, you know, to realize that it had fallen apart and nowhere near a million people <laughs> were going to attend was just delicious. It was, it was a glorious, glorious moment Saturday evening, gloating with all my fellow, fellow Twitter liberals. Just do you believe? Do you believe the the TikTok Zoomers are the ones who were responsible I for this debacle? I do. I don't know if that's been debunked, but. It seems plausible to me, given how uh, uh, the K-pop stands have been, they have been like the best, they have proven to be the best ally you never knew you needed in, you know, the, the social, the online war against racism. I mean, they've been taking down these uh, these hashtags every week. So I was like, well, maybe they did. Maybe they did. I don't know. What's the process? How do they do that? I'm not uh, following that the what the how they span the hashtags or the tickets yeah um they have been just when they see um these racist hashtags you know so i guess sort of who knows how they monitor you know k-pop works overnight like a like a magical tooth fairy when you sleep <laughs> but they um <laughs> you know when i wake up in the middle of the night it's all of their k-pop bands and stars and whatever trending and I guess they will find you know whatever the Russian bots are trying to promote overnight they'll start something like white lives matter next thing you know the white lives matter hashtag is full of gifs and clips of k-pop <laughs> fans just juking and bopping and doing their shoulder shrugs and their hip rolls and just you know doing their whole little thing all, you know all their little black choreography and it's just oh. a glorious thing. They they spam them. So if you look at any of those headlines, you know, uh, or any of those hashtags, I mean, uh, they will just be K-pop. Oh. So that's what it was. So I, I did notice it when the White Lives Matter came out. Yes. I was like, what is this K-pop? And they were all doing a little jig. I'm like, what is, what is this? I never exactly. understood it. Uh, right. That makes perfect sense. Got it. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. And it, they, it had been, there were that first uh, week of protest, first two weeks of protest, there have been several um, hashtag started like that and every night like you know somebody would try to start some bullshit um, you know defame George Floyd or defame Antifa or defame the protesters Black Lives Matter or whatever um, and next thing you know right you know the the, tr the, the trending topic would say it's K-pop you're like why is that K-pop you know and then you realize oh shit they took, took that whole thing over 
I mean, to the tune of hundreds of thousands of tweets, right? It wasn't like, it wasn't even close. They, they completely subsumed whoever was trying to use White Lives Matter for, for ill. So it's a wonderful thing. They may have pulled it off. The TikTokers, I, I did have a ton of people in my, and not a ton, but uh, several, more than, more than five, let's say, um, people that I follow who said Saturday night, they were like, oh yeah, my kid just told me that they have 20 tickets to the Trump rally. You know, we're sitting in Colorado. You know, my kid, we're in New York and my kid has 200 tickets, you know. Um, you know, <laughs> we're in Texas. My kid says she and her friends, you know, got 150 tickets. So I believe that might actually have some merit. I think that's and good that they've dismantled their digital strategy. When you think about- Isn't it? It's wonderful. They, they've announced throughout Right after his win in 16, he had his media managers campaign, all these campaign people talking about how they are just so digitally superior in the, exactly. the strategies they used. And now so we already know what their plan is this time. And it's young little Zoomers simply taking them down, just having fun being, ooh, that's great. Exactly, using the power of the internet and social media is wonderful, right? As I remember seeing that too. They were like, oh, Brad Parscal and Jared Kushner put together the most sophisticated voter vote targeting <laughs> online juggernaut that cannot be defeated. Um, and they just got, you know, one million registrations. I sent you all one tweet because there were a couple of these that I just thought were really funny because I'm immature. But there's <laughs> one like this says, um, in retrospect, Brad Parscale should have realized that 800,000 people named Haywood Jablomi would not come to <laughs> rally. And there were several like that. <laughs> so um, yeah, it messed up their entire um, data mining uh, platform. They just got to scrap everything that they collected and start all over. And, and you know what's ironic about that? is that uh, 45 does so much angry trolling of people and for him to get trolled back in, in such a, a big way is, is is actually pretty refreshing to, to see him yes. get, you know get trolled back and, 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 and people are actually not angry they're having fun doing it right and yeah the, the that that turnabout was uh was very sweet and i i gloated like a motherfucker excuse my language on Saturday. <laughs> but I enjoyed it reminds that. You of, it reminds you of that appearance of the illustrious court laureate from Harlem, Cameron, appearing on Sean, uh, who was the other one before Sean Hannity? What was his name? Bill O'Reilly on his show. And he's trolled him very simply in a fun, playful way saying, you mad? I got dirt on you, doggy. Hilarious. <laughs> but it got under his skin so much. This is a version of that to me. I, I, I love it. I love it. This is the best strategy. To, you saw him look so dejected coming off Air or Marine One with his tie with his tie undone. I've never seen him with his tie undone like that. Never seen him like that. He looked oh. completely dejected. Oh, and there was there was there was makeup on his collar on the inside of his collar. If you zoomed in on the picture, like oh, it would, it had been it. clearly been a rough night. You mean a suntan? Yes, yes. A spray tan. 
Spike yeah. got on the shirt. Mm-hmm. Yep. It had been a rough night. Yeah, character. Yeah, oh, he was pissed. They said uh from backstage before he came out when they realized nobody showed up cuz I did see this and I don't know how much merit this has, but I did see a couple of people state that, you know, the Trump campaign is has been known to um hire paid actors. They'll put an ad on Craigslist attend <laughs> rallies. And so people said there might have been more between <coughs> between the paid actors, the uh, campaign staff, and uh, you know the local um, venue staff. There might have been more like two thousand people who actually came of their own volition. So I, I don't know if that's true, but there were some rumors about that. But they paid four thousand people. They're saying uh, roughly it was. I'll have to find uh, the tweet, but yeah, roughly. Campaign staff, you know, venue staff, um, uh, uh, <coughs> fire department, and the pay, paid actors, you know, amounted to uh, almost 5,000 people. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, all right. So, just to keep the momentum going. Oh, I did want, you made a good point, Buck, uh, when we were talking about this earlier. And this what you said had even eluded me but getting to that point about the the amount of people in that stadium and the social distancing they could have done and the optics of that yeah i mean they had it's a 19,000 uh capacity stadium so if you take his little 6200 multiply it by 3 you get roughly that many seats and if they did any kind of social distancing, even in like a tic-tac-toe fashion, it could he could easily have spun it and said, hey, spread all those people out, social distancing. And you know what? We couldn't have any more, we couldn't let any more people in. We filled the capacity. We've been violating social distancing guidelines if we did that. And they could have played it that way, but they, they weren't even smart enough to do that. Yeah, and I thought that was really, so smart because, um, really right, they could have been, you know, turned thumb their nose at all the people who were, you know, tis tisking the fact that they were going to hold a rally in uh, during a pandemic and had an excuse for the low attendance. So I thought it was a good point. And, uh, but they were, they were so confident that they were going to have, like you said, hundreds of thousands of people out there. But here's the uh, tweet um, that I was referencing. It says uh, it was 6116 in door count. Um, 2,837 were paid gig actors, 986 Trump campaign members, 500 Trump White House employees, and 183 plainclothes security would leave about 1,578 real attendees. Well, you know, if he knows those numbers, you know, his that meeting backstage was full of chalked with you mean to tell me that and just fill in the, the blank mm -hmm. you know yep. chalk full of mfs and you mean to tell me that this many mf showed up to my you know that's yep. what because <laughs> you know most of the people are filler but so. it's, it's it's what he deserves because if he you know he knows how he loves those rallies and those are his his lifeblood well you can't hold rallies in a pandemic you dumbass. So, why didn't you do something to prevent the, the pandemic? If he had gotten the pandemic under control in January or February, he had the warnings. 
uh, then, you know, we wouldn't have the outbreak we have now that's suppressing turnout. Dumbass. Anyway. All right. And, and anyway, ne- next thing I wanted to, to you know, kind of dive into and chat about is, is old Bubba Wallace with this um, noose incident, I guess, to give everybody a background. I guess for those of us who don't know, Bubba Wallace is the only uh, black driver on the, or prominent back black driver, I don't know if he's the only one, he might be, uh, in the NASCAR uh, circuit. And there was a, you know, there's been reports that there was found, there was a noose found in his, in his stall. I know there's some new, in his garage rather, where they, where they hold his race car. Uh, so, you know, we, as black people, we all know the history behind that symbolism. So, you know, but there's been some new reports today, which I'll go into after, you know, you guys, you know, chime in with what your thoughts are uh, on that. Yeah, we hear you. I hear you. Yep. I um, first want to say that I looked up Bubba Wallace's height and he's Mm -hmm. 6'3". That is a nice height. Just want to point Hello? that out. Yes, we yep. can hear you. Can you hear us? Did we lose him? That I'm not sure about. Yeah, it's only two of us now. Uh, well, I just want to go on record as saying that Bubba Wallace is, is low-key fine. And 6'3". Oh, he's coming back. It's all right. All right, looks like we lost Hamilton for a second. You with us? You with you back? Yeah, I don't know what happened. I just went very yeah. silent. Okay, I'm here. We could, we could, yeah, we, we just we moved on. If you didn't hear, we moved on to, to uh, Bubba Wallace. Are we talking about how handsome incident. he is and tall? No, no, Karen. Saw can, we st- how can we start over? Can you start that part over? Can we start that part over so I can, yeah, I can, yeah, can okay. Um, right. Okay, next, next thing I'd like to for us to, to chat about is uh, Bubba Wallace. Uh, he is a the only black NASCAR driver uh, on the on the circuit. The only NASCAR full-time. circuit. Only full time driver. I wasn't sure whether he was the only one, but only full time driver. And um, and there were reports of a noose being found in his garage where they hold his race car. And uh, that's been a big deal, you know, pretty much all week. Um, NASCAR has had a few symbolic things that they've been able to do, uh, like, for instance, having uh, all pit crews and drivers push his car to the front, uh, push Bob Wallace, Wallace's car out onto the track in unison, and you see everybody in the backdrop behind Bubba Wallace, and it's a symbolized. Was that the uh, photo op they did? That was the photo op. Yes, they did? That, that's the photo op they did. Okay. Correct. And, uh, and even, you know, I sent you guys a video earlier. I even was a little bit, almost missed the eye when he was talking in, in his post-race interview and, and had all of the, you know, all of the black folks from Atlanta and different parts of the South that came out to the, to the race in Talladega. And, um, Wait, and how so happy they were. They had, uh, so they had a sizable black audience show up? The I don't know how sizable it was, but they okay. he went he walked over to them. They were all in a okay. cluster. Okay. I and, thought, um, I thought I thought they weren't having audiences. I thought they weren't. Uh, what do you mean? I oh, they, they had. A, I they, thought there they, aren't the, the spectators. Video, the, 
the video I sent you, there was a whole, there was a whole section of black folks. Didn't watch them. Black Lives Matter stuff, stuff on. And he, and he was talking to them, you know, through the fence. He was even, he even slapped hands with uh, quite a few fans, you know, through the, uh, through the fence. That's wonderful. I wondered how quickly it would take or not quickly, but I wondered how long it would take for NASCAR's gesture of banning the flag to make black fans feel welcome. And uh, apparently black folks been just sitting, some of us been sitting on the sidelines just waiting. Black people okay. watch NASCAR, especially truck guys. Really? Okay. <clears throat> I know I know, I know, know a lot of black NASCAR fans, but also Italian, they, did you see that they flew one of those sign planes Little Confederate flag with some other signage in it, yeah. And then there was a long protest parade line of pickup trucks flying the stars and bars in protest as well out front of the race course. Hmm. Well, well so. I mean, the pushback is to be expected. It's it's unfortunate, but not surprising. I mean, they're they're really trying to make these uh, degenerate folks and folks who are holding on to this thing. Uh, this ideology, uh, especially, you know, well, let's just put it plain. There's, they're forcing rednecks back back into their cave. That's what they're mm -hmm. doing to them. Yeah. Like all yeah. of a what sudden, and, and there's a lot of, you know, of course, a lot of pushback behind that. But also I saw an update in the story. Is that what you were about to talk about? Yeah. The, the final the update noose. from the story. Yeah, they said the noose, the noose yeah. wasn't really a noose. You know, there I've seen things where they show just a little rope where you know you pull intend to do uh, pull the garage up and down, and which would never be mistaken for a noose. So it makes me think that you know the media always has its own agenda. We, we, we all know that, but usually we're on the negative side of it. So it does feel funny to be even if they did this story, you know, with propaganda in mind that we were on the feels funny to be on the positive side of some propaganda, even if it, you know, even if the story is completely fabricated. Um, it, it does feel funny to be on that side, but I, I'm sure those for this, for the, uh, other folks don't don't know what it's like to be on the other side of that. When they but the way the story played out was that, when, but the way the story played out in the very beginning, after was after that was mentioned in the news, mm -hmm. it suddenly became on Twitter. Oh, this is a Jesse Smollett. Redo. Then, <laughs> yeah. They were talking about it. And there were plenty of other I remember at a specific university, there was a professor who had a noose tied around her her office door. It sounded mm -hmm. to me, it was before Dusty Smollett. I'm like, that's what she did. She did that herself. It turns out she did it herself. Um, so I'm always a little leery when people make a big deal about it because I think that they're thinking that and want to make a big deal about it just to expose these people. So the other mm -hmm. Twitter commentary after that came out was that, oh, watch it turn out to be all these white supremacists on there. Watch it turn out to be nothing. Uh, just a simple piece of rope that was tied there already. And lo and behold, after the long, exhaustive FBI investigation, what do they find? It was a simple piece of rope that was tied there already. You little colors are making a big deal out of nothing again. White lives matter. Yeah. But I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, they were, so, right. yeah, I mean, they were also on the negative side of it, which is, which is funny. But they're really trying to force them 
back into their hovels or whatever they degenerate life they had and forcing them back into it. It's not that it's I don't weird. think they're we're trying not, to force them gonna... back into their hovels. It's not to be proud of. It's like yeah, yeah. What do you can't Donald Trump today? poke their chest out about it like they right didn't so donald trump today did did he not say create some sort of i he there was some press conference and i only saw the head i was working all day and i just was watching the uh the ticker and he says he, he made some executive order to make toppling of statues a federal crime mm-hmm. yeah and it's so, it already is you know he said what I thought it was kind of funny the way he phrased it. He, he says, I'm going to sign an executive order. It's mostly just underscoring stuff that's already on the books, but it'll just say it a little bit differently. It's like, okay. So, yeah. It's, it's trying some, to appeal to his, right, his base. Right. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's more than um, just um, how did you put it? More than just driving them you know, back into, you know, back underground, but it's, it's the nation coming to having a, a coming to a point where it's going to be honest about uh, the people in, that fought in, the, uh, you know, for the Confederacy and fought in the Civil War. And those are, they, they were traitors and they lost. White's gonna white. But, um, oh, so I'm seeing a couple of uh, interesting headlines begin to trickle in, as you may or may not know. It is uh, primary day in several states. And there's an interesting race in Kentucky. Um, Kentucky, home of uh, senior Senator uh, Mitch McConnell um, and Rand Paul is having their primary today. McConnell's up on the ballot this November. So today's primary is deciding uh, who his Democratic opponent will be. Um, About a year or so ago, uh, a woman named Amy McGrath steps up to um, run against him, and she's all she's run for the Democratic uh, ticket nominee, whatever. Um, before she's a fighter pilot, and you know, um, kind of a well, I'll leave that uh, aside. But she looks like a tough, tough gal. Uh, I'll put it like that. Um, and so she had been in the lead, like a ton of money had poured in um, to her campaign. And then all of a sudden, in the last like month, I started hearing about this guy named Charles Booker. And Charles Booker is black, he's progressive, endorsed by um, AV, what's his name, AOC? Almost called her AV. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, oh gosh, what's her, what's her name? You'll see. Ocasio. Right. Alexandria. Alexandria. That's why I couldn't get yeah. that. Um, so endorsed by her, endorsed by Sanders. Um, I gave him $5 because uh, he had, had a viral clip go where he was going off in the, he's a, I believe he's a Kentucky state representative yeah, and uh, running for the Democratic nomination. He had this great viral moment that went off a couple of weeks ago in the, uh, in the height of the protests. 
he was screaming at the Kentucky Senate or chamber leader, you know, my life matters, my life matters. And it was just great. So I gave him $5 and he is, he has made this race competitive. The early reports are saying that it is close. So they're they're trying to rig it. um, Yes, they are trying to rig it. They shut down all of the polling places except for one in Louisville, which is ridiculous. That's 600,000. Mm-hmm. From 4,700 polling places to 200. Yes, yes. It's, it's an outra- outrageous travesty against the right to uh, vote, our right to vote. But Booker might get the, uh, he might he might have a shot at this nomination. And if he does, that'll be exciting. I don't know if he can beat Mitch McConnell in the fall, but <laughs> my God, that's, uh, you know, you, you know, that is, it, it's just, it's an exciting prospect, and, and I'll tie it in with this, and then um, I'll stop. But um, was looking at their battling in the Senate over this police reform bill, and you know the Democrats have one that came out of the House, and then uh, Cory Booker and Kamala Harris have one they put together, and then Tim Scott has one he put together. Tim Scott is a Republican black senator, and of course Kamala and Cory are Democrats. Um, and Mitch McConnell has refused to uh, let any amendments be made to the Republican one. And the Republican one is just window dressing, right? It, it, it's a bunch of suggestions. You should, you know, you shouldn't make, or you shouldn't use chokeholds. Like that's gonna help, right? No, 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 not banning it, just a suggestion that you shouldn't use it. So it's stuff like that. And um, so the Democrats are fighting but it all, but that, but that one of the things that bill also does increases funding to police departments. Right. So yeah, it's like everything that you wouldn't actually want to 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 fix, you know, to actually address this problem. It's a Republican, a Republican's wet dream for the police, basically. And so they're fighting it, you know. But Mitch McConnell controls the Senate, so they have an uphill battle. If he says we're not voting on it, then they're not voting on it. And it just made me think today. I was like, that is really sad that there are only three black senators currently serving in the Senate. It's a hundred member body. And if there were even just 10% of the Senate was black, like 10% of the nation roughly is black, you'd have a, a solid 10 people to get together and try to push through this reform for us. So it's really sad that we don't have the representation that we need. So it could be very exciting if Charles Booker is able to get this nomination and um, compete against Mitch McConnell in the fall. That, that's a big, big deal. I mean, it's designed that way. I think D.C. statehood would bring in likely two black senators. Yep, yep. Burgess Owens, ex-football player, had a lot of uh, kind of critical things to say about uh, Colin Kaepernick. And his stance on the anthem, of course. I mean, <laughs> ex-brother football player who was in the NFL, but a little bit about him. Uh, just a little quick rundown of his background. The brother is from from Florida. Um, he his parents were both educators. His mother was a teacher. His dad was a professor at FAMU. So ultimately, he ended up playing football at University of Miami in the early 70s. So he might have been one of the few, you know, brothers on that team. I mean, when you think of Miami Hurricanes, 
you don't start thinking of them being as we know Miami to be now, loud and boisterous, and um, you know, a whole bunch of brothers on the team. That iteration of that team came in the early '80s, not it when uh, when Burgess uh, Owens was playing for him. So ultimately, he got out of got out of college, got into the NFL as a cornerback, played for ten seasons. So had a successful career, but they said all during that time, while he was in the National Football League, he was a Democrat. So after football, when Reagan was in office, he said that was the thing that made him become a Republican. So presently, he's a Republican in Utah. And, you know, as an aspiring politician, he's in, that wasn't clear whether he's actually in the legislature or he's trying to get in. Um, you have that, and he's a member of the Church of Latter-day Saints on top of that. So he sounds kind of like a a male version of Mia Love. So uh, worse, way worse than that. Um, he is running for Congress uh, in uh, for the state um, for a state seat in Utah, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, his Twitter feed is awful. Like I don't even think I can muster the energy to respond to this shit. It's wild. His wife is black, at least. I do not believe in reparation, because what reparation does, it points to a certain race, a certain color, and it, and it points them as evil, and points the other race, my race, as one that is not only becomes racist, but, the, the, but also beggars. I was just going to say, this Twitter feed is just, it's deplorable. He's retweeting Donald Trump Jr. Ugh. And so, so what does he have to say about why is he in an op in opposition to uh, Kaepernick's kneeling? Oh, because you know anything that's you know he's anti anything that's pro black. I mean, he even made the excuse, you know, the typical um, excuse for the Kaepernick just wasn't a good enough player, and if he was that good, he'd be in the league, and wouldn't be anybody anything they could do to keep him out. So he's against he's anything. You know, fundamentally, against anything that 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 we're you know for, he's just against for some reason. I found it fascinating that he was a Democrat. You know, all the way up until Reagan came in office, that that's who they give credit to switching him over. Was he was a small, I guess, a small business owner, and and so he just he just you know went ahead and cooned it out. The only reason I think these people are like that is because they feel like it will affect them in a positive way. They feel like that type of adulation would result in them becoming wealthy, like Candace yeah. Owens. Yeah, right. Some of them are able to use it to elevate themselves, right? Um, Diamond and Silk did the same thing. They have videos on their uh, YouTube channel. You look at their earliest ones, they were pro-Black Lives Matter uh, five, six years ago. And then they saw that they could make money. I mean, and, and I, it's a, I think it's a, also a strategy to, a survival strategy. They think that if white supremacy lays a hammer down on all minorities, they're going to be spared because they were with them in the first place, which is really not what ever what happens. I mean, how can, um, how can the white supremacists trust you when you don't even ride with your own people? So they're gonna, you know, you know, shoot, you'll probably be the first person they get rid of.
you know, pretty much the next thing that, well, last thing I really wanted to, for us to, you know, get a chance to cover tonight. I had a, a long and depth conversation with a um, former classmate of ours that is, is a police officer. I mean, I won't <laughs> name his name, of course, but uh, we had a, you know, long talk about overall policing uh, and challenges as a black officer that he goes through. And um, so I wanted to, you know, kind of delve into that to give a little background. He's been, you know, probably policing uh, close to 20 years now. And, um, you know, roughly two years ago, he switched from a, you know, from the hood, more or less, policing the hood to policing an area where the roughest thing that happens is someone's asking you to get a, a cat out of the tree. So, you know, we were, you know, just talking about, um, you know, from his point of view, what we can do to improve police departments. And one of the first things he said was he wants more, uh, more of us, more black people to get involved in policing. You know, however, you know, there are challenges with that uh, because they just won't, these, a lot of these departments just won't hire you. And I know he's gone through, you know, a heck of a time bouncing around to different interviews and he even said that some of his folks who he trained have got on, gotten jobs that he wasn't able to get, even though he tested better than they did. But they were white and they got the job. So, which didn't, you know, make any sense. And he said a lot of, a lot of his colleagues are living a double life. You know, they're, you know, doing a lot of, you know, white supremacist things, obviously, because um, you see the way that, you know, that, white supremacy has definitely infiltrated uh, the police departments as the FBI reported. You know, that is true at all, at all levels. And he said that they even have a tribunal uh, for you when you get hired. And they're asking about racial bias and, and things like that. They said these guys have to be lying all the way through the interview. Because with the way they act, there's no way they would get the job. He said that they rather have people come from 30 miles away uh, to be an officer in the hood and, you know, rather than, you know, hiring a brother who lives right there in town, you know, who people know, you know, and everything else. So, you know, he, uh, I guess I don't want to run down everything he talked about. I want you guys, you know, thoughts on that. Like, what do you think, do you think we can, in fact, infiltrate the police department and, you know, making it better? Well, we talked about it before. We talked about Camden, New Jersey, mm -hmm. uh, and the way that they retooled their police department. They, their police department was bloated with police who were, weren't from there and who, right, we know all the stories. They were, crime was high, uh, allegations of police harassment and police brutality were also high, and they weren't solving murders and crime was rampant. It was the highest in the state. They, the police unions were, that specific police union was demanding that the officers get paid way more compared to what they wanted. They wanted to hire more officers. They couldn't because the police union would prevented it. So they just disbanded that police force, created a new county police force and used those police and were able to expand the police department and then use a community policing model 
to make it work. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think, of course, you'll solve 90% of the problems if you got rid of the white supremacists. And you see yeah. New York City, there were hundreds, like close to a thousand police officers. I saw this today. A thousand police officers who were considering leaving the police, the NYPD. I'm like, good, wow. leave. But in wake of all of this scrutiny that they're now under. But I, of course, everything would be better if you got simply got rid of the white supremacists and made it people who gave a shit about the people where they're actually policing. Yeah, so you just talked about the, we were just really had an hour long conversation about the overall you know, image of the police and, and what we can actually do. And you know what's so funny? He actually said that a few things that I was not in agreement with <laughs> on what was a justifiable killing or justifiable shooting rather mm -hmm. than not killing. Like, say, um, like the case of. Trained. He's trained. Uh, I know. Like I know the case, been trained. I mean, the case of even you know Antoine that, Rose. Let's say, let's say that for example, he said that was even a justifiable shooting. The one that, and I know me and you, Ham, have had a lot of talks about that case. But I don't know if the if some of the evidence pages and you know what they're saying on it. There, I mean, they say little things about um, almost had to you know, change my mind. I was like, damn, you know, because uh, they said supposedly there was gunpowder on the young man's hands and all this other things. There was a lot of evidence against it. And they said the one guy that, that they, he supposedly shot at fingered him as, as the person was shooting at him. And, you know, before the, um, the incident happened in the course of the uh, traffic stop. So, but even, but even a criminal, even let's say there's an actual criminal. But if, if he was white, he would have got shot. Let's put it that way. Yeah, but even if it's a even if it's a crime, and the police police's job is not to kill people, their job is to arrest them so they can be tried amongst the jury of their peers, which still never happens today. They get, you know, they plead out or they get a, they never go to trial. There's no trials that go to jury trials anyway. So that's a. Yeah, not true to that. and they had right. that thing in all in Pennsylvania where, or it, it's, I'm sure in other states too. If they're if you're in commission of a felony, they can just shoot you for whatever. It doesn't matter. The back can be turned. You be doing a handstand. It don't matter. Which I think they need I, to. So I'm, needs not to I'm not oh, familiar to that. I'm not familiar with that case, but neither am I. Would it would it well, yeah. have? Um, would it have happened if the uh, victim was white? He probably no, would not have handled all... it that way. I mean, he would have been able to, by law, he would, since they were technically in commission of a felony, he could, he could have done that if he had wanted to. He probably wouldn't have done it. But he could have shot the it. kid multiple times in his back. How is that ever yeah. acceptable by anybody? It by never happens. It never happens to white people. So I, I call yeah. I call bull on it. And um, shot multiple it times in his back, running away. It sounds like this person uh, that you are referring to has is exhibiting, you know, what you you know, a form of of uh, form of capture. 
um, mm-hmm. when you join. <laughs> well, it is, you know, in, in with among entities, you would like with lobbyists, you'd call it agency capture. And that's when someone uh, is lobbying uh, or someone is regulating an industry that they formerly worked in. And mm-hmm. so they are, uh, they are, they, they begin to be more sympathetic to industry and therefore more lax in their regulation. And, you know, they then fail the taxpayer. But anyway, sounds like, you know, after so many years on the force, he's now become, you know, sort of inured to the ideas that, that are um, behind the brutality that we're seeing. So we think of him, when we know him, he's a liberal-minded guy. He's the Way liberal before side. Before he, was a, before he was a cop. But what you Way think of that, that. He's a, he is the liberal mindset. He's of the yeah, liberal mindset. Wow. <laughs> so think, about right. what, think about the other people. Right. He's, this right. is the liberal mindset. Exactly, that and that's, that's the problem. And so to your, you know, to your ultimate uh, larger question, your ultimate question, but can we infiltrate it? No, you can't. You can't. Because it, it, the very nature of, of police forces. Yeah, it's broken. Uh, Tear down, build a new. They, right, they, down, build a new. they foster a, um, an adversarial relationship with the people that they have to police. That's just, that's just what they do. And um, there's no way to, you know, if you, if you could, if I, and, and you didn't clarify what you meant by infiltrate, could we infiltrate the the police force? But if you mean, but if by that you meant, could putting more blacks in the police force help the situation? No, it wouldn't because they, they, they just end up, blacks who join the force by and large end up subject to this phenomenon of, of capture that I'm talking about. And they begin to see it through those same eyes of, well, they are kind of, you know, we are in an adversarial stance with the community and these little kids are coming up to me, cussing me out and I resent that. And so I might, you know, choke one of them out one day. You know, that's not, and I'm not saying he would actually do this. This is not directed at him specifically, but just describing that phenomenon, I don't think that there's really a way to fix it with just more black police. I don't think that's the and, answer. And, and you know what, there's an interesting video, couple minute interview with this uh, guy who was an ex, white guy, ex uh, Philadelphia police officer. Oh, I was just gonna say he, an ex, ex white guy. Officer Dolezal, Dolezal. I got excited for a minute. I was like, oh really, can we do that? Yeah, I mean, he admitted that, that um, that police officers are trained a certain way with he's this inside thing of how they handle um black people you know yeah, which we already know he didn't say right. anything we no, it's, a, it's the same no but it's the same phenomenon as um the overseers on the plantation you know when yeah. they started putting when they started making uh letting black slaves be overseers they became as bad if not worse than the white overseers that's true. And, and they in fact, the shit you, you, out remember, of you, even you, you remember Ham when we went to um, a certain football game and how uh, we were coming back. Were you in the car when that uh, officer was, he just said some like foul shit to me for no reason. We got pulled over? No, no, no. We didn't get pulled. He was, he was guiding traffic. 
And he was, oh, you didn't uh, see that? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, for, you know, just very disrespectful for no reason. Amongst um, amongst that sea of white folk who he would never use that same tone with. Exactly. So have you answered your question? Yeah. I've, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you guys for for us, uh, you know, fleshing that out. Did you guys have you know, anything else, any other topics you want to cover in the last, you know, five minutes of the pod? No topics, but uh, I'll share this that I thought was kind of interesting. I just finished watching, binge watching all of um, Brooklyn Nine, what is it? Brooklyn what? The cop Nine -Nine. comedy show? Nine -Nine. Uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, thank you. And uh, they are scrapping their season eight and starting all over again amid the protests and the, uh, the, the pr police brutality. So that'll be interesting to see. They're going to try to tackle that, apparently. With your yeah. man, y'all's favorite, Terry Crews. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh. He's another one that's trying to hide. He said we don't. He said we don't. He said this week we don't support him because of his his wife is. Y'all probably hating on that man. Hating on that. His wife is black. She's biracial. She's a biracial girl. She's biracial. She's a biracial girl. She's a biracial girl. You would not instantly think of her as being biracial when you see her. Or even okay. if she was white. Even if she was a white woman, why would you not? Why would you? Who would discount anything he had to say regarding race? What has he said about race? Not much good. He was yeah. what? He, he was on. He he's last on record for uh, if we if 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 black people just do what white folks do, we'll just be black supremacists or something <laughs> about that. Wow. Okay. Then he was addicted to pornography. It's always something with Terry. Crews. Oh my God! It's he, always he, a little something. He, share, he shares too much. Honestly, Jesus. I don't want to know that about him. <laughs> he was uh he was he was on those uh he, he was he was spending hundreds and hundreds on those uh what's it called the uh my fans only my fans yeah. only i almost started a fans only account saturday i <laughs> I, I, I thought about it I thought, on his fans only came came, came only real fans. close but um all right you should, so, you should do it girl I thought about it, but then you know what I read. I read a story that what stopped me was I read a story <laughs> that um, uh, data thieves don't know how to scrape all of the uh, content off of the site, and then they can sell your shit to people who buy the whole package of data and then put it up on different uh, sites. And I'm like, well, I'm not gonna do that. Then be have my on, you, profit undercut. Well, hold on. You started fans only doing what? I don't know. Twerking? Something. Busting it open? I don't know. Oh my, oh my, don't tell me. I don't know. You've been in them clubs? You've been in them clubs twerking? You gotta, you gotta, you know, provide the content that the people want to, will pay for. Period.